Man, listen, we thank and praise God for the praise team helping us to lift our voices in song. Uh, the words of songs are so powerful and so meaningful. And, and, and I just really, as much as sometimes, if not more than sermons, because listen, when you can't remember a sermon, maybe you remember a subject, a title, or maybe a point. But a song is something that you can memorize and sing in your spirit as you move forward. Now, I told you I have a special guest for you today. This is my sister from another mister. Many years ago, uh, now over 30 years ago, maybe 35 years ago, maybe longer than that. I don't even want to start counting, to be honest with you. Um, close to 40. Man, th this, this family came into my life at a very, very... Uh, pivotal time in my life. I was going through some things personally and, and you know, seeing um, the disintegration of my own family, my mother and father splitting up. And this family was such a blessing to me. I, I cannot even begin to describe to you. Um, they just literally adopted me in the family. Uh, that's Mother Weta Davis, Mudir we call her, and Grace and Carolyn and Henrietta and Pastor uh, Henry Davis, who passes in California. That, that family, man, just embraced me. I met him at the National Baptist Convention uh, Congress. I believe it was a Congress. Yeah, Congress of Christian Education and in Indianapolis, Indiana. Man, we were hanging out, and I was just by myself and, and just met uh, Carolyn and, and met Grace, and they were like, well, what you getting ready to do? And I was like, man, I don't know. I'm not doing anything. And they were like, well, come on, hang out with us. And then I met Henrietta and I met Henry and man, it, it, it has been a family affair since then. I go to the family reunions, uh, any special events and weddings, uh, funerals, it doesn't matter because that's my family. And a lot of times we're blessed like that in family to have family, not necessarily by chance, but family by choice. And this has been a family by choice that has blessed me in so many ways. Henrietta Davis is a wonderful, wonderful uh, psalmist, um, has performed on stages across the world. Uh, you can hear her gift, but she's a church girl at Seoul. And I asked her to come and bless us and to uh, sing one of my favorite songs. I love to hear her sing this song. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I'm telling you, you're going to be blessed by the song. All right? Come on. Just welcome Sister Henrietta Davis in your spirit. Just hear what the Lord has to say through her to your life this day.
I tell you she was going to bless you. He touched me. Lord have mercy. Man, that was one of the first hymns that I ever heard and learned and was blessed by when I came to know Jesus as my Savior. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And all the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. Something happened, y'all. Something happened. And now I know. How many of you know he touched me? Put it in the chat if you will. Just put in there, he touched me. If you can't type that fast, just put H-T-M. He touched me. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Man, thank you, Henrietta, 
for allowing the Lord to use you. Listen, I've got some more stuff. Man, we're going to hear from Henrietta another week. I'm telling you, what a blessing that was just to hear that song. And sometimes, you know, I mean, I enjoy the praise choruses. I, I like that. But I love the hymns, man, that tell a story, y'all. That hymn tells you a spiritual story. They were written to communicate the gospel truth to a functionally illiterate society. And there's nothing more powerful than to be able to testify as a believer that he touched me. Thank God for that song today. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time. Father, we bless you and thank you for today. I pray now, God, that everything that we do and everything that we say, that it will be pleasing in your sight, that it would bring glory and honor to you. May you be glorified as your word goes forth. May your people be edified. And may the devil be horrified and terrified this day as the life-changing, life-giving, powerful word of God goes forth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I had something really, really interesting happen to me this past week. I, I had an opportunity through one of our uh, program participants uh, in Project Hope. This is a diversionary program that is up and running, changing the lives of young men and young women who have had problems, encounters with the law. Uh, we're partnering with the DA's office and community groups to help them get back on the right path. And I was talking to a young man this past week, and I said to him, I said, man, what do you want to do when you grow up? What, what, what do you want to do with your life? And his response, I wish I could say it was shocking, but it really wasn't. 16 years old, he said, I don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? You have no idea what you want to do with your life. You have no idea what you want to be. You have no idea. He said, no. I don't know. I want to make money. And I was like, wow, make money. Okay, but you've got to be passionate about something. And he had the hardest time identifying anything that he was passionate about. Now, here's what's interesting, my brothers and sisters. Here's what's interesting. As children, when people would ask us, what do you want to be when you grow up? We typically had answers. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a nurse. I, I, I want to be a police officer. I want to be a fireman. You know, we, we typically had answers, right? But it's amazing for many in this generation as they are in high school and approaching what is deemed to be and defined as adulthood that many of them don't have a clue as to what they want to do apart from make money. They're, they're literally living their lives purposeless. Now, we know that the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. And is it any wonder that people, regardless of race, creed, or color, choose the path of infidelity and immorality and sin in order to accomplish a goal because their purpose of making money is driving them instead of the purpose of becoming all that God wants them to be. We are in 
the midst of celebrating our 150th anniversary. And I want to thank those of you who are part of the Good Hope Church, who have been part of our membership. Thank those of you who are following along with us. Our church is beginning our year-long celebration of our 150th anniversary. I'm the sixth pastor in 150 years, pastor number six. And I was thinking as we come back into in-person worship, what are some of the essentials that we need to focus on? See, much of the superfluous things that we thought we needed, we have discovered since the middle of March 2020 that we don't need those things in order to be the salt and light that God has called us to be. Many of us have had to learn the hard way that when the Bible talks about church in the New Testament, church is not in reference to a building, it's in reference to a people. Here's the problem. Many times when we talk about church in this day and time, we think about the address and the building of the church that we might attend. And if I say God's people, we think about a group of people and many times we hide ourselves in the crowd of people who claim to be Christians. But today I want to talk to you personally. I want to talk to you. Yeah, you. You. Not, not your neighbor. Not, not, you don't have to high-five your neighbor, touch your neighbor. No, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you today and begin a series entitled, Being a Great Person for God. How do you live in a way that you become a great person for God? Here's what I submit to you. I submit to you today that the church of Jesus Christ will never be all that God wants it to be until the people of God are determined to become all that God wants them to be. But the determination to become a great people for God can only take place if we decide to become a great person for God individually. So this month, I want to start a series entitled Being a Great Person for God. And today, I want to start this series by talking to you from this thought, Becoming who God wants you to be. Becoming who God wants you to be. See, when I asked that young man what he wanted to be, what he wanted to do with his life, he said he did not know. And there are many people who, when they answer that question, answer it like him, either not knowing or thinking about money and what they can make instead of thinking about who they can become, and how they can discover their destiny and find their purpose for life and living. And for those of us who say we love the Lord, we have to become who God wants us to be. Our text today is Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 24. And it's in the gospel of Matthew that Jesus is having multiple conversations with his disciples. And as he gets to verse uh, 24 of Matthew chapter 16, he, he has already begun to shift his conversation to preparing them to understand what life is supposed to be like after he's gone. He has been with them through the first 15 chapters of Matthew and, and all is well. But Jesus now gets to the place where he's saying, listen, I'm not going to be with you always. 
uh, Peter has challenged that notion and said, Lord, be it far from you. And he's like, no, you got to get behind me, Satan, because I've come here for a purpose, but my purpose is not to stay. My purpose is to prepare you to be who God wants you to be after I'm gone. Several things I'm going to try to get through today to show you what it means to become who God wants you to be. Here's the first thing. Number one, to become who God wants you to be, you must make a deliberate decision to become his disciple. You must make a deliberate decision to become his disciple. Look at verse 24, Matthew 16, the ESV translation says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Let's stop right there. Jesus is talking to his disciples, but in talking to his disciples, he is literally defining for us and telling us what we need to do to first become his disciples. Remember, his disciples were not the only people who were around him. There were others who were listening to him. There were others who were benefiting from the miracles of Jesus. There were others who were blessed by the presence of Jesus. There were others who were blessed by the power manifested by Jesus. And Jesus says to them, if anyone would come after me, if they would really become my disciple. That word disciple literally means pupil. Uh, One who follows with the goal of taking on the attributes and actions of the one they are following. Similar to a mentor-mentee relationship, but I think most would agree becoming a disciple uh, is, is literally so serious that when a person sees you, they see whose disciple you were because you have been so influenced and impacted by that person. Jesus says, if anyone will follow me. And I need you to understand that you must will to follow Jesus. See, following Jesus is not a skill set, it's a will set. You can develop skills to become a better disciple, but you must exercise your will and say, I want to follow Jesus. That's why Jesus says, if, if anyone, if is a subordinating conjunction, not expressing doubt, but possibility. Jesus says, if, if someone chooses to follow me, Anyone, it's an indefinite pronoun, anyone, any man, any woman, any boy, any girl, regardless of race, creed, or color, everyone has the option and opportunity to follow Jesus. He says, if anyone would come after me or wants to follow me, indicative mood, present tense, active voice, which means what? They've got to take that initiative. They've got, they've got to take that thing on and say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And that idea of following Jesus must be your everyday choice. Somebody hear me today. 
if we're going to come back into our corporate worship experience and assume our role of being the body of Christ, if, if you have failed to realize that you could be salt and light at home, if you were re- waiting to activate your saltiness and your light in the sanctuary, here's what I need you to know. It's an exercising of your will. You must make a deliberate decision to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. Here's the second thing, and it's right here in the text, to become who God wants you to be. Number two, you must practice self-discipline and deny yourself. You must practice self-discipline and deny yourself. Listen to what Jesus says. If anyone would come after me, the ESV translation says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Watch what the New Living Translation says. If any of you wants to be my follower, Jesus is talking. You must, there it is, turn from your selfish ways. You must turn from your selfish ways. My brothers and sisters, most people, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about the person next to you. Most people find it easier to try to check somebody else than to check themselves. Most people find it easier to tell somebody else no than to stand against their own desires and say no to themselves. What does it take to take no, say no to yourself? What does it take to tell yourself no when when your flesh wants to say yes? That that word deny is an interesting word because remember, the if was a coordinating subjunctive, right? But this deny is in the imperative mood. And it's in the the middle voice, which means this is something you have to do to yourself. You you, you literally have to discipline yourself. You've got to exercise self-discipline to make your desire to become a disciple a reality. Matter of fact, let me just say this for somebody. If you're going to be successful in any area of your life, you've got to learn how to exercise self-discipline. I don't care if, for example, you want to lose weight and you hire a personal trainer. Your personal trainer is not going to be with you 24 hours, seven days a week. You're going to have to exercise some self-discipline. So when you see that candy or you see those cakes or you see those soft drinks or you see that juice, all of those items that have high calorie, high sugar, low nutritional value, you have to be at a place when even when the person who is helping you to get there is not around, that you've got to say no to yourself. Now, I want you to notice something. The call to say no is not to a specific behavior. Jesus says, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to say no to self. Here's the problem. Sometimes we can learn to say no to one thing and not say no to something else that can be just as detrimental. You don't have to say amen, say ouch. I know I'm right about it. We, we can say no over here. And typically, 
The things we find the easiest to say no to are the things that we find to be the least tempting in our lives. For example, if you could take a leave cookies, saying no to cookies is no problem. But if you always want to say yes to pie, and here comes your favorite pie, now where's the self-discipline? Jesus says it's not about a behavior, it's about yourself. You've got to learn how to say no to yourself. You've got to learn to give up something or do without something. Uh, One of the things that has happened to me since March of 2020, and I spent the overwhelming majority of time in the house, at home with my wife, I I discovered that there were things that I thought I couldn't live without. I discovered that I could live without them. Certain situations I thought I had to have, I discovered I didn't have to have them. And if I felt like I wanted it, I discovered that I didn't need it as much as I thought I did. You are not a true disciple if someone else has to provide discipline in your life. If someone else has to provide discipline in your life, then ultimately you are going to fail because even if somebody provides momentary discipline for you, You have to get to a place where you grow up and provide self-discipline, the discipline that you need to be successful in life. Let me give you a couple of examples. If you need your mother or father to wake you up in the morning, well, what you gonna do when they're not around? You better get used to using an alarm clock and figuring out how to wake yourself up or putting an alarm on your phone And I I hear folks say, well, I I just sleep right through my alarm. You better turn it up. You better get two or three alarms. Because guess what? Your boss is not going to go along with you talking about, well, I'm sorry I was late. I overslept over and over again. It's not going to happen. You know when that need for self-discipline really shows up? When you go away to college. Some of you who have gone away to school, you know what I'm talking about. If your children or grandchildren are watching, just tell them the story, right? See, see, as long as mom and dad were there, you was in the house and they told you, hey, it's time to go to bed. Hey, man, you, you're up too late. Remember, you got to get up early in the morning and they come and wake you up in the morning before they leave the house for work. All of that is well and good. But when you get into a room and you are in charge, you have the key now and you can come and go as you please How many of you, don't confess it too loud, how many of you acted a plum fool your first semester away from home without somebody else to discipline you? There are many who blow the money of their parents on their first year of college, coming back with a GPA of of 0.5, 0.75. Why? Because they had not learned the principle of self-discipline and went to school buck wild. You've got to learn. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you're going to have to learn to exercise self-discipline and choose 
Listen to the command of Jesus. Choose to deny yourself. Here's the third thing. Thirdly, to become who God wants you to be, you must practice dedication and devotion and say yes to living God's way. You must practice dedication and devotion and say yes to living God's way. Jesus says, verse 24, the B part, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. Now, like deny, take up and follow are in the imperative mood. So Jesus says, if you're going to be a disciple, here's what I command you to do. You've got to deny. Say no to yourself, but saying no to yourself is not enough. You've got to learn what and who to say yes to. See, here's the problem. Many times we, we, we understand clearly that deny yourself. Let, let, me, let me stay out of certain places. Let me stay away from certain people. Let me do. But we haven't filled our lives once we remove the negative. We haven't filled our lives with the positive. Jesus says, you got to learn how to say yes, but not just say yes, say yes to the right thing. He says, take up my cross. Take, take this task seriously. Uh, it, it's the picture of a boat uh, being lifted up, lifted up, for example, out of the water, right? And, and, and you take it up or you raise something up. He says, take up my cross, raise it up so it has a place of prominence in your life and, and, and it has a place of prominence to guide your thinking. He says, take up the cross, and then he says, follow me. That, that word follow is an interesting word. It, it really gives us a picture of what it means to be a disciple. It, it means uh, to be just like somebody, to walk along with them, to uh, shadow them as it were and, and live in a way that their steps are your steps and, and, and their thoughts are your thoughts. Uh, you ever heard somebody describe a friend and they would say, man, you can't see one without the other, right? They, man, they ace, that's my ace boon coon buddy. I'm down with him like four flat tires, right? You've heard all of those phrases describing the closeness that you have with a person. Jesus says, you need to have that closeness with me. You need to follow behind me. You need to make sure your footsteps are walking in my footsteps, that you are going where I am going, not only not to go where I wouldn't go, but go where I go. He says, you ought to live like Jesus lived. Talk like Jesus talked. Love like Jesus loved. Put forth the energy and the effort, the action and the work, the passion and the zeal to follow in his footsteps no matter what the cost. And my brothers and sisters, listen, it's time to refocus your life. This arguably, coming out of this pandemic, this this reset that we are experiencing in the world that you need to experience in your life. This reset may be the most important thing you experience in your life in terms of your spiritual growth and development next to salvation. He says, say yes to God. Proactively live the principles and precepts of God. Make living for God 
your life focus. Here's the last thing, and then I'm going to take my seat. Last thing. I just need a couple more minutes. Stay with me, if you will. To become who God wants you to be, you must live to benefit your soul, not to acquire or accumulate stuff. You must live to benefit your soul, not to acquire or accumulate stuff. Jesus says, verse 26, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. When the Bible talks about soul, the Bible is literally talking about breath. It's talking about that which exceeds just life and will live in eternity. The spirit of a man on earth, the spirit of a man in a woman, the spirit of a person will leave them and they will die on earth, but their essence will live in eternity in their soul. And here's basically what I hear the Lord saying. I hear the Lord saying, there are too many of us who are living for our stuff and not living to benefit our soul. That's why we can have a lot of stuff around us on the outside and our soul be lost on the inside. I was watching just the other day, flipping through my phone, and there was a TikTok on of Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, former world heavyweight champion, who at one time was the most feared human being on earth. And Mike Tyson made a statement that I thought was, was so profound, and, and I hope people heard it, and I hope people sensed what he was saying and the sincerity of his words. He said, if you think money can make you happy, then you've never had money. Now, here's typically what we do, right? When we hear somebody say money can't make you happy, we typically respond, well, I sure would like to give it a try. <laughs> you know, right? Somebody's listening to you say, well, if money don't make you happy, broke doesn't either. Let me try, let me try money. But, but when Mike said it, it was like there's so much other stuff that comes with money that whatever the benefit is of having it, the cost is not worth the value. Live with your soul in mind. That's basically what Jesus is saying. Stop living with the world in mind. Live with your soul in mind in mind. Why does the Lord say live with your soul in mind? Let me give you four quick things so you'll understand why it's important to focus on your soul. First, everything fades and passes away. I don't care what you have, it fades and passes away. I was watching a show on HGTV. I love watching HGTV. And this was a show that was talking about renovating uh, old homes, historic homes, homes that were built in the 1700s and, and restoring those homes. And, and they go back in with the best of wood and they go back in with the best of technology and the best of intentions. And, and you will hear 
them say sometimes at the end of the show, you know, this house is built so it will last another 200 years. And that sounds impressive. But guess what? There's a whole lot of houses who are fading away. And if that one had not been repaired, it would fade away. Everything fades and passes away, including you and me. Here's the second thing. Everything cannot be used all at once. I don't care what you have. I don't care how much you have. I don't care how much stuff you have. You can't use it all at once. If you got 100 cars, do you realize if you had 100 cars and you drove two cars a week, you would only get to drive two of the cars in a year? Right? Like, like, there's just so much stuff you can have. You can't use it all. So why have it if you can't use it? There's some of you right now who have storage bins, and you have paid more to store your stuff than it's worth. But you're storing it and paying $100, $200, $300 a month to keep something that you haven't used in years. Here's the third thing. You're only on earth for a short time. I, I, I wish I could help somebody understand. Those of you who are older than me, you understand exactly what I'm saying, how fast time goes by. Man, just the other day, one of our members posted a picture of her son and said, happy birthday. Happy birthday on his 40th birthday. And I commented literally and said, oh, no, he can't be 40. He can't be 40 because he was a kid when I got here. And then I said, wait a minute, if he's 40 and he's gotten that old, that means I'm getting old too. He was 12, 11, 12 when I got here. He's 40 now. Well, that makes sense. I've been here 28 years. And the point I'm trying to make is that you are only here for a short time. And then you will close your eyes, never to be here again. But here's the fourth and most important thing. Your soul is eternal while your life will last on earth in time, your soul will last into eternity. So when Jesus says, what does it profit a person to gain the whole world and lose their soul? He says, what kind of investment do you want to make that you will benefit in short-term pleasures and miss having your soul in the right place in eternity. And then he goes on to say, and when he comes back, that's what he's looking for. To see who were the people who valued sacrifice over those who valued self-satisfaction. He says, if you lose your life for Christ, and give him your all, you will save your life and your soul in time and for eternity. If you keep your life and what you have for yourself, you will lose your life in eternity. And basically, here's what Jesus says, and I'm going to let you go. When you're more committed to being the best-looking person you can be, Instead of being the best living person and the best loving person you can be, you're not his disciple. Because I don't care what you do with this physical body, all you are preparing yourself to do is be the best looking corpse 
in a coffin you can be. When you're more committed to having creature comforts than you are to being Christ-like, you are not his disciple. When you are more committed to thrills, excitement, and stimulation than you are to sanctification, you are not his disciple. When you are more committed to being wealthy than you are to being a witness for him, you are not his disciple. And the only way you can be the person God wants you to be is to make that commitment to becoming his disciple. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I pray now that everything that we do and everything that we say, have done and said, has been pleasing in your sight and has brought glory and honor to you. Let your word find fertile ground in our hearts and minds that we would be more than just hearers of your word. Help us to be doers as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, before I let you go, I told you, had a real important announcement for you. But before I get there, let me just make this announcement. If you need Jesus Christ in your life, I want to give you an opportunity today to say yes. If you want to become a Christian, you want to know how to become a Christian, just click on the tab that says, I want to be saved. I want to be a Christian. I want to know how to give my life to Jesus. And I'll show you privately via video how to do that. Uh, If you want to become part of our church family, man, I'm grateful to God. Do you know every week since we have reopened on the physical side, we've had at least one person say yes to the Lord and become part of our church family. And if you want to become part of our church family, we're about to launch our digital discipleship program. And I'm excited about it, man. I've been talking about it, meeting with people even this week about it. And I'm just excited about what God is going to do to help you become all that God wants you to be. Just click on the link and says, I want to join a church. And we'll help you get where you need to be. All right. Um, worshiping the Lord and giving. Six ways you can worship the Lord in giving. Uh, you've had opportunities throughout the worship experience to worship the Lord in giving. And you can use one of those six modes online on the digital platform to give as God has blessed you, to give as God has prospered you. I also want to encourage those of you who want to give to our 150th church anniversary celebration. Uh, We're asking every person who feels so led to give a sacrificial gift above their regular giving of $1 per year, $2 per year, $5 per year, $10 per year, $20 per year, $1,000 per year, whatever it is that God lays on your heart whatever you feel like God wants you to do. I want you to be prayerful about it. Seek God. And I want to tell you something. I've learned this lesson over the years. Whenever I give and it's easy for me to give, then I'm challenged to rethink, is that really where God wants me to be? Because I'm always going to look to give less. But when I seek God, God causes me to stretch my faith and my trust and my love for him and honoring him in my giving. So I want to encourage you to do that and do that well. Uh, We've got a job fair coming up March the 9th. That is this Tuesday, March the 9th. Uh, The service industry, is that March the 9th? No, Wednesday, Wednesday, March the 9th, Wednesday, March the 9th. Uh, We're working this job fair in conjunction with Workforce Solutions. 
It's a service industry recovery job fair. There are a lot of people who have left the service industry and those industries include working at hotels, restaurants, food delivery, fitness centers, movie theaters, amusement parks, clothing stores, gas stations, grocery stores are just part of the service industry and what they have discovered is a lot of people are not going back to work because they cannot afford childcare. And so on Wednesday, March the 9th, here at the Good Hope Church, beginning at 9 a.m., we will have a job fair and SIR child care sign-up. That's service in recovery child care sign-up. And here's what is a blessing. If you have young children and you need child care, listen carefully, and you qualify, you will get free child care for a year. You will get free child care for a year. Listen, spread the word, spread the word. I'm going to be talking about it on my show. I want you to spread the word. A job and free child care for folk who cannot find child care. And you can choose a child care center that is duly qualified in your area. So you don't have to drive across town to one child care center. Wherever you are, anywhere in the Houston metropolitan area, you can benefit from this program. That is on Wednesday, March the 9th. And uh, we want you to do that. Um, life groups are coming back. Be ready for that. Uh, worship and fine arts ministries coming back. Be ready for that. If you would like to register for our 150th church anniversary banquet, that is going to be held uh, on April the 23rd. You can get information for that and tickets at our website, goodhope.org. Go check it out. Be with us. Thank the praise team for leading us today in worship. Thank the Lord for Sister Henrietta Davis, my sister from another mister. Uh, love you, Henrietta. I know she's watching. And all of the family in Detroit, up in Detroit. Love all of you all. Tell Madea I said hello. Give her a kiss for me. God bless you and God be with you. Oh, remember, God is doing something wonderful in you.